If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I was joined by my Reach colleagues, Josh Williams and David Hughes, both football scouting writers at Reach PLC. We talked about their gaming history with titles such as Championship Manager, Football Manager, PES and FIFA. We also discussed whether playing these football management simulation games had any impact on their desire to become football scouting writers. We also discussed the classic Pro Evolution soccer titles, talked about the current FIFA titles and ended with a special quiz around FIFA 21 ratings. Enjoy! I'm joined by Josh Williams, also known as Distance Covered on Twitter, and also David Hughes, who are both football scouting writers at Reach PLC. Uh, how are you both doing, guys? You okay? I'll let Dave go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you, mate. Uh, Good. How about you, more importantly, before we come on to Josh? <laughs> no, I'm doing... <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I'm doing very good, thank you. Thanks for asking. That. How are you doing, Josh? You okay? I'm good, mate, yeah. Both of that, David, go first. They're seen as a... I think he's probably going to lean on me for this podcast. For him, <laughs> we'll come on to that a bit later on. Would one of you just explain what uh, you do at Reach as a football scouting writer? Just explain your role in a bit more depth. Well, yeah, so it's it's just, a, a, I suppose, a typical sports writer. Um, we'll focus on more generic stuff than we will. Um, I think we're a bit more inclined to go a little bit deeper, focus on the strategic aspects of football, tactical aspects, incorporating underlying stats, analytics, like expected goals, expected assists, all that sort of stuff, and using all that information basically to, to, to form opinions on clubs, players, teams, recruitment, all that sort of stuff, really. Is there anything you want to add, Dave? That summarised perfectly. You know, it is more of a focus on going a little bit more in-depth, maybe beyond just the, um, the score lines and the results, talking about tactical trends. I mean, we, we tend to cover a fair bit, even being totally honest. Really enjoyable. As you can imagine, we we both enjoy it and we're, we're pretty lucky to be in this position with Reach. Unless you're asked to analyse the um, the tactical setup of Millwall. That hasn't happened yet. It's happened to <laughs> and, me. Uh, I do remember probably the worst request I've ever had is for a scouting report on um, on Charlie Adam. There was about three from the halfway line. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, I've never been asked to do anything like that either. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all good there. For anyone of our normal listeners who are listening and, and thinking this is a, obviously this is still an esports gaming podcast, but I really wanted to get you two guys on because I think there's some real kind of crossover between what I do and what you guys do and especially in like the next generation version of games as well and and looking into the more in-depth football simulation games like football manager for example a large part of that is tactics and stats and how you measure certain players and the attributes they have as well so i think there's some real crossover there and it'd be interesting to see how that 
all combines together. If I could just ask you guys, if you could just take it in turns, just explain your kind of history with with gaming, football manager, championship manager, FIFA, stuff like that. If you just go through that for us. From my perspective, I, I started mainly with the, the, the furthest back I go was championship manager. Um, I think it was like, you know, 1999 and all that sort of stuff. So I must have been about five at the time. So I was quite early playing, you know, strategic kind of games really and, you know, buying players and using tactics as opposed to playing FIFA, if you like. I've, I've never in my life really been much of a FIFA player. It's, it's I've always felt the gameplay when you get into it was, was too slow and all that sort of stuff. So when it comes to games like that, I was more of a pro-evolution soccer man. <laughs> Um, if you look at the, that game in the modern day, I suppose it's fell off a little bit, but a couple of years ago, say, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, f- for me, it was a lot better than FIFA, I thought. I don't know about you, Dave. I think certainly, you know, in the in the mid-noughties, I, I really thought Pro Evo come along and kind of not only competed with FIFA, but for me, overtook it as a, as a game. And I was strictly FIFA from the start, you know, kind of, FIFA 98 onwards, really, up until about maybe, you know, 2005. And then I started playing Pro Evo a lot more then. And that was the game, because, you know, I don't know about you lads growing up, it was only one game for me. I wasn't getting both every year. I wasn't that fortunate. So it was one or the other. And for about maybe three, three or four years, Pro Evo really kind of took over. And it was the game that both me and friends at the time played. I, I completely get what you guys are talking about in terms of that that kind of Pez era because I know it's it's talked about a lot, possibly too much really. But the the team that stands out is that Inter Milan team um, mm. from I don't know I think it was Pez five or something um, with obviously Adriano and Alvaro Recaba and Mihalovic with his free kicks and Oberfeld Martins and yeah I think that just kind of stood out and I agree at that time Pez was far superior to to FIFA because of the just the gameplay was just faster. I agree, Josh, completely. Um, it was almost a little bit too easy at times in terms of just yeah. giving the ball to a player like Thierry Henry and just basically running to the end of the pitch with it and scoring. Um, so I do think it benefited the players that with a bit of pace. Um, but yeah, just just in, in comparison to FIFA, I felt like FIFA placed too much of an emphasis on having the real team badges and having the real team names, but the actual gameplay was nowhere near as good. Yeah, I always loved about Pez as well is how it basically you run in straight lines. There was like eight yeah. degrees, weren't they? So you could either run straight, slightly diagonal, or completely ninety. Which was <laughs> looking back now, um, it doesn't seem that great, but it was definitely it was definitely the the more fun to play. And it's interesting how FIFA has just overtaken Pez over the last couple of years. Pez is has gone completely downhill in terms of obviously it's still an incredibly popular game, but it's it's dwarfed now by by the FIFA franchise, so much so that this year Pez aren't actually releasing a new game at all. It's just wow. a, a season update. So they update the transfers, they update the kits and the badges and all that kind of stuff. But the game's essentially the same. And then they're releasing a brand new game next year to to obviously harness the power of the next gen consoles like the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five. So um. Maybe Pez will make a comeback next year, but it's interesting how FIFA's like overtaking it over the last few years. It feels it's like a little bit sad to see, to be honest. It also feels like FIFA not only over overtook it, but overtook it at a really good period in, in, in kind of gaming's history. If you think of the way kind of they brought in Ultimate Team and how that kind of exploded as a 
you know, as a kind of gameplay, I guess. Am I right in saying that was, you know, post-2014 onwards, was it, that that really started becoming rife? Oh, yeah, that was when the competitive scene started because that's when players realised um, how good they were. Like, people were sat at home beating their mates and not realising how good they were. And then when they went on to Ultimate Team and, and they started having these ranked um, leagues, if you like, and, and lists of top the top 100 players, the players will suddenly find themselves among the world's best. And I think EA at that point thought, well, we need to start some competition here because it's, it's going to be a really lucrative thing for us. And that's how it's turned out. Yeah, I um, so I kind of, I was around as that would seem was starting to grow. I was still a regular p- player at that point because I remember playing a lot online, but it was when, I'm trying to see if I'm remembering this correctly, but it was when you'd basically um, almost climb through divisions almost as a player. So you'd win X amount of games and then you'd go move up a rank. Am I remember that, remembering that right, Nathan? Yeah, that's still the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah still oh, is it? See, so... Yeah, ten. There's ten divisions, if you like. I I don't recall any of the um, basically where you were you you be, you purchase players. Um, you know, as kind of as cards as they seem to be, and you know, you kind of build your team like that. It was very much when I was playing, you were still playing with a side that was um, from basically from the game. So you'd be say Real Madrid against you know Barcelona, and that's how the, it seemed to be matched up. But yeah. I always thought it was fairly, fairly decent at FIFA, but I see I started stepping away as the scene really grew, certainly on an online competitive level. That was probably for the best, to be honest. <laughs> what, what about you, Josh? Was this something that you ever got involved in um, with FIFA later on down the line, or did you have you just not played it as well? I've played it just not much at all. There was one edition I can't remember what it was, but it was kind of like a crossover with a football manager type thing but with FIFA and you was one team going through the season I can't, I can't really remember it to be honest I was a, a more of a championship manager player and LMA manager and Pro Evo and all that sort of stuff but FIFA was always a little bit I was always a little bit detached from that in terms of the ultimate team stuff I think I had I had to go with that once with the with the cards that David's mentioned and all that sort of stuff but I just found it frustrating that um, you couldn't really acquire decent players unless you were really really lucky with, your, with, with a pack that you just that you'd get maybe Cristiano Ronaldo walking out of, but most of the time it wouldn't be Ronaldo. It'd be, you know, Titus Bramble or, or a player who <laughs> w- wouldn't really have any effect on your matches. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the main... Um, obviously, it's a massively popular game mode, but I think the biggest frustration for, for casual players of the game mode is is the, the pack side of it and the loot box, as it's called, side of it, where it's essentially gambling but it's not classed as gambling so i know in belgium um the ultimate team game mode in terms of opening packs and stuff that's been banned because they've classed that as gambling because when you buy fifa points with actual money they use then the fifa points to open these packs and um there's there's no guarantee of what you're going to get in that pack so essentially you're just buying chance really the the, uh, the odds are shown in terms of what your odds are but they're not f- favorable um at all so I think that's something that's that's hopefully going to get a bit more light shone onto it over the next few years. But that's um, with the FIFA uh, esports scene as well. So the esports players themselves, they have to put money into the game at the start to get a team that's good enough to compete. And not a lot of people can afford to do that um, at the start of FIFA. So it's uh, it's something called pay to win, which is hopefully something that's going to get addressed, but it doesn't look like it's going to be addressed for FIFA 21 anyway. 
it seems like it's a bit of a high risk tactic, isn't it? Um, in terms of you could potentially invest X amount just to be in a position to compete. And then you have to rely on being good enough to, you know, see some form of return playing the game. And, you know, I can imagine there's a lot of people, especially younger people coming through now who are, who've probably been banned trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's um, I think there's a petition going around social media now about making sure that loot boxes are, are better regulated because there doesn't seem to be much around them as well. So um, hopefully we'll see something come out of that as well. I just wanted to go back to football manager and championship manager if I could, because I think that's where where your expertise lies. I think that's where the the biggest crossover is, and I think that's where some of the the kind of tactics and scouting part of of what that game involves. There's some crossover there between what you guys do as well. So. Josh, just from your side, do you think playing that game early on, was there any part of that that helped you become what you are now? It really is hard to say, but if you was connecting the dots, it, it does seem to make sense. I'm quite an analytical thinker anyway. I, you know, I think of reasons why and reasons behind things and stuff. But when it comes to playing games from an early age, I was on the strategic side. And, you know, years later, I'm writing about that sort of thing, really. So from an early age, I was, as opposed to just going from player to player and pressing, pressing squares to shoot, I was, um, you know, using tactics and integrating players and going into the transfer market and buying players based on what I determined their value was. And this was, this was at, you know, between the age of five and ten. So in terms of that having an impact on, on what I currently do, it, it probably would, to be honest. And in terms of, like, you know, having an impact on the way I write about tactics and all that sort of stuff, when I first really started getting into tactics, um, I I was still playing football manager at the time, but I wasn't I wasn't coaching. I was, didn't have any kind of team to, to coach in, in real life, if you like. So my way of applying my tactical knowledge and my ideas and all that sort of stuff was, was in the the FM match engine, you know, to change matches or to build a system or, you know, whatever whatever it may be to try a player who, who you've always thought would make a good right-back when he's played his career in centre-mid. You know, you can try all that sort of stuff in, in football managers and just applying those ideas, I think, helped me along the way of separating the good ideas from the bad, if you like, maybe. But it's difficult to really say yes or no, but, it, you know, if, if I was to guess, it, it does make a lot of sense. It's interesting, is it? Because if you develop passion for, for tactics and uh, football analytics and how different players um, change and how how they get better and how they improve and you're interested in the coaching aspect of things, it's very difficult to get involved in coaching really um, because the coaching badges, they cost so much to do and not a lot of people have that kind of money to get to that level. So the closest you're going to get to using that knowledge is through Football Manager. That's the, the most accessible way of you getting your ideas across and seeing how your ideas would translate into a real football team. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'd, I'd read about, say, for example, Pep Guardiola. I've, I've read um, Pep Confidential and, and books like that. And if if he's used a, you know, an interesting tactic in terms of spacing and numbers and all that sort of stuff, like I think he, I think while at Bayern Munich, it might have been, or it might have been Barcelona, actually, I think, when he went over to play the the World Club Cup against, I think it might have been um, Santos or, or a Brazilian team like that. I think he played something like a, a midfield six or a midfield seven. Or, and I remember reading about it and being, 
quite intrigued by it and my way of applying that and testing that out and seeing if I could recreate that was through Football Manager. So that match engine and the, the tactics builder and all that sort of stuff, whatever it's called now, it, it certainly did help. And what about you, Dave? What what was your kind of uh, relationship with Football Manager over the, the last couple of years? Mm, yeah, so it was it was strange for me, really. Um, in many ways, I was laughing earlier, saying I'm, I, I wasn't sure if I was a, a bad guest to have on because I've had such a love-hate relationship. Certainly, if we focus on specifically, you know, F, FM and Champ Manager. Um, no, I, I, I remember the first time I started playing, it was around that kind of 01, 02 period. And I feel like I was really at a disadvantage because as an Everton supporter, um, they were a really difficult team to manage. And, you know, I was only a young lad. I was 10 years old. So I wanted to to manage, um, you know, Everton, you know, the dreams. And yeah, they, were, they were at the time, they were they were skint. Uh, they didn't have a good seat side at all. And I found things tended to turn messy very quickly, both in terms of finances off the pitch, because that was obviously a fact on, on the game then, um, and in terms of performances on it, I just didn't have the, even even as a, as a game, I didn't have the, the knowledge really to try and create a side good enough to, to compete really. And I found I lost my enjoyment very quickly. You know, thankfully it returned kind of in the later noughties, kind of 08, 09, 2010. Um, I had some really good saves with, with think Tramia, um, Nottingham Forest, and Leeds as well, because I, I felt like I had quite a theme of trying to almost bring sides who were once quite big. So you think of Forest, Leeds, you know, and try and go on a, a run and take them back to the top. Tramia was just the, the kind of the lo- the local kind of um, poorer younger brother of Everton and Liverpool. I wanted to, I guess it was the underdog theme really. Um, I did fall back in love with the game and. I really enjoyed from that period, um, you know, kind of learning about players and then seeing them compete week in, week out, and then go on to careers. I think of from Forest, there was the Cells, who's obviously at Newcastle now. I remember Snog Grass always stood out for me when he was at, at Leeds and seeing him going on to the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, but then in terms of if we actually look at the, the impact of the game, on real life and the role I'm in now I don't know where I'm a bit like Josh I don't know if I can see the direct path between the two because for me it was always a game where I got to do something I enjoyed doing but you know out of school I was I was I did go and do my coaching badges and it was something I always wanted to pursue and it's only really now whilst those three are having this conversation that I'm thinking you know is that is it maybe those those two things coming together as a, you know, as someone who's so seasoned in the in the scene and you know being there probably every year since you've you've been playing, how have you you personally found the adjustments going from say the latest version of Football Manager uh, in comparison to maybe six or seven years ago? I know it's been gradual over that period, but do you think it's it's all been positive? Uh, into like it's 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 all good, or do you sometimes maybe I don't know, strive for a, a light version, I guess, just something that's a little bit less complex. And if, if, if that's the case for you, then what what do you think, like, kind of the average Joe? How, how would you think they would answer that? It's it's interesting. I think you're asking the wrong person, really, because because I've, st- I've played it from such an early period of the game, 
the more control that I can have over my players and my team and my tactics, the more immersive and the better it actually is for me. So the the more control I get, the more time I spend on it because it's the the more I can control with with my team. Whereas I think if someone stepped into it just completely fresh now, I think they would find it a little bit overwhelming maybe. Um, everything that you can do, obviously in the actual game, the stuff that you, you don't have to do everything, but there's so much you can do. It is kind of all consuming, but there is a light version as well that you can you can play on like things like the iPad and, and your phone and stuff like that. But for me, that just doesn't offer the same as the full no. version because I want I just want more. If you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I get. I, I was about to say it going completely contradictive to everything we've just been saying. I did it. I did download the light version at one point, and for me, it I just felt like I wasn't influencing it the the yeah. outcome enough. It yeah. felt like I was shortcutting it or, you know, cheating a little bit. Or I was thinking, well, how much is this being down to my decisions, this victory? And I, I can't understand that point totally. And I guess I'm making this the game sound a little bit like a negative. It, it's this is um, it's success and all this is on the back of just being a fantastic game. The fact that people have made themselves so much into it is a testament to how good it is. I think the point I'm just making and that Josh agreed with is... I think it's just now difficult to to be a game that you can step into for an hour and then step back out a couple times a week. Do you think as well, because the job you're doing, because you're looking at tactics and and stats and analytics every day, that you if you if you went on to football manager, it would, it would feel <laughs> a bit more like work or a bit kind of linked uh, to it in what? a way. I was just about to say how elaborate the game currently is and how many areas the difference there's in the game that you've got to attend to. I know you can you know, give duties to your assistants and all that sort of stuff. But it, it is to an extent a bit of a job. It it, it is like almost it's it's that elaborate that you've got to tend to that many stuff. Absolutely, yeah. That it it could be perceived as like a, a a bit of a job. And I think that's one of the reasons why I stepped aside from it because my one of my main interests in the game was was tactics, finding a way to win strategically in the in the match engine and maybe Good player recruitment, good squad building. But when I played the game, it was it was so there were so many other areas that I found myself tending to. I'm I'm playing the game, doing stuff that I wasn't really that fussed about, and it didn't really allow me to to focus my time on what I enjoyed most. What are you doing, like admin, basically football yeah, manager just, admin? Just, <laughs> yeah, like the, the, the training stuff is is really elaborate, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. Um, the the social groups in the squad and all this sort of stuff, and it it just is really elaborate. And I can understand the the perks of having so much control, but at the same time, as I said, it, it can become almost like a bit of a job. My enjoyment of the game comes from the fact that it's like a challenge almost mm. um, in terms of, like, for example, one of my more recent challenges, I've been manager of Valencia uh, and I was in the second season and Goncalo Guedes has done really well for me on the left wing as an inside forward and Liverpool came in with 60 million and my board accepted it. And it's taken me about a week in real time to decide who I would sign to replace him. <laughs> So to put this into context, so Football Manager, the current database, it has over 800,000 players in the database. It is it is extensive and you can spend hours and hours and hours scouting players and things like that. But for me, the, the challenge of getting someone to replace that player with his skill set 
I think that that just that's part of the enjoyment for me. The fact that I can I can look at different players and also it's increasing my real life football knowledge because these are real life players, not just um, you know fake players or or that kind of stuff. I will definitely say on that point that that is something I do miss from the game because there were so many players and and I mean look I'm not going to cry it in too much obviously we both me and Josh have access to you know really good platforms to do kind of scouting work but I do find there was players that would always be put on your radar playing that game like a few that I mentioned earlier I know they're household Premier League names now but at the time they weren't and it, it it did always assist in terms of seeing maybe just creating a bit of a shortlist in your head of players who um, you've discovered through through playing the game and I do kind of miss miss that aspect of it 100%. Just before we carry on with that point, who have you got to replace him? To be honest, I've got, I've only I've got a short list of three players that I'm still that I'm still working on. Um, the thing is as well, Ferran Torres left the oh, year before, okay. so. It's been a bit of a been a bit of a whirlwind on that left wing, really, for me. Um, but um, I will I will just get it up actually. And some of the players on the shortlist, so Guedes for me was more of like a winger, less of an inside forward, really. So more of like a a winger, but that cut inside. Whereas I wanted more of like an inside forward that was going to dribble less and contribute more in terms of goal scoring. So um, I weighed up a couple of different factors, including like age and whether they're actually gettable and um, their transfer value and things. And I come up with um, Amin Guri of Leon, Myron Baldo of AZ. How how many years into the game are you? So this is the 2022. This is 2022. Okay. Uh, and also I've got um, Rainer from Real Madrid. Dortmund. He's uh, on loan at Dortmund, isn't he, this season? Yeah, but I've got him on my shortlist. He can't play as a left winger yet but his attributes match perfectly what I want from from a left-sided player so potentially I could buy right him, mold him. Is he? yeah yeah so potentially yeah. I could get him and mold him into what I would want from a from a left forward so um yeah we'll uh, we'll have to watch this space to see but um, yeah. I'm let still know, mate. let us know <laughs> <laughs> I will do be 3 months down the line yeah and he'll be like I'm just I'm just deciding lads I'm just still thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> you two guys seem like if you switched on football manager now and really got into it you would probably be two of the best virtual football managers that I could think of in terms of your knowledge tactically and things just from what we spoke about how would you think that they could make it more realistic for you in terms of um, being a proper football manager simulation like tactically and, and things like that is there anything that you would suggest they could do uh, from a tactical analytic standpoint to be honest it's, it's- generally quite good I, I liked the relatively recent moves towards the the in possession in transition out of possession type thing I haven't really had much of a go at it since that change was made but I do think that that was more realistic compared to what came before I think all the roles in the game have got pretty much everything covered off the top of my head at least I mean I'm sure I could come up with some really crazy ones but in terms of most of what you're after on a football pitch, the options that you want, most of them are there. I think one issue that I've had is the way you just said me and Dave would be really good at the game, one of the best or whatever, if it'd be played now. I think one of the stumbling blocks there, if for that to not be the case, is um, I think the instructions, they can direct you down a path that you, you don't really want to go down, but you think you're going down a different path, if you know what I mean. I think a few years back, 
this was when I was at my absolute peak interest in the game, really. I think I was managing Porto, and I was in the Champions League final playing against Chelsea, and they scored a goal inside 20 minutes and got a man sent off. So I think I had about 70 minutes to get the scores level and to take a lead. But I didn't really know what the buttons meant in terms of, you know, work the ball into the box and, I don't know, tackle hard and all that sort of stuff. I knew what they meant, obviously, in terms of the name, but in terms of the strict impact that they had on the match engine, I didn't really know. And I kept on retaining possession throughout the whole game. Ended up getting beat 1-0, didn't score in the 17-minute period, I think. And I found out, you know, later, like a year down the line maybe, that the retain possession instruction has an impact on the match engine in terms of your players are less likely to take risks on the ball, apparently. Yeah, it's basically a defensive um, tactic, basically, yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, to me, from from maybe a coach's perspective or an analyst's perspective, you wouldn't really think that. You'd, you'd think that would be a given, mainly m- maybe for a dominant team. So it was a, it was an option that I didn't, I didn't get rid of. But So I think in terms of making the actual tactical instructions more you know, understandable in terms of this is exactly what this will do to the match engine. Are you sure you want to check it? You know, whatever. Like, say, for example, there's an option. It was always an option that, that said dribble more. And I, just, I always thought that, you know, from the, and work, work the ball into the box. To an extent, they just come across as givens, almost. But when you actually know what they do to the match engine, maybe you don't want to select them because... You know, you're you're more like you're less likely to take risks, less likely to shoot from distance or cross or or whatever it may be. I like to figure out what they actually do because I know there's descriptions of what they do and stuff like you mentioned. But I like to actually find out what they do by using them and then see what happens in terms of in the game. But obviously, I've got the the time to do that. If you're just kind of coming on, yeah. But my argument to that would be that there's so many different buttons that you can check. How, how would you know? what one button is doing in comparison yeah. to another. Like if I, if I checked at the time, work the ball into the box and retain possession, how would I know what's doing what? You know, the, the different, there's fine lines there. There's, it's shades of grey almost. Yeah, I think that the general rule with football manager is less means more because like you said, if you if you... If you're losing and, you just, and you've got no instructions and then you go and turn everything on to try and score a goal... You don't know what's worked or hasn't worked at the end. So less means more. Um, so if you are playing it that way, um, if you just pick one instruction, see how that works out, and then you'll know what effect it has on the team, um, I think is, is the way to go. But yeah, I can, I can, I can completely understand it. But um, from a, from a, like a, uh, to give you the variety of it, I think they have to include all of it because it just gives you so many different options in terms of how to play and the different styles that you can play as well within the game. My approach was different once I understood the buttons and stuff, but just initially when I didn't have the understanding of the buttons, and obviously a lot of people won't have the time to, to do all that sort of stuff, it, it's prone to working against you. There's only so much you can do, isn't it? With with a with a, a simulation game, there's some things you'll never be able to replicate from obviously real life football and being a football life a real life football manager. But um, I think in terms of what they've been able to do over the past few years the amount of detail that's in it. I think they've done an incredible job to get it to this stage now. 
yeah, who knows where it's going to go in the future. I know I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, when he was at Molde, I'm pretty sure that he used to use Football Manager to test out different styles um, on the game. So if it's good enough for Ole, it's good enough for me. Just to finish there, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to do a little FIFA 21 quiz, uh, if you don't mind, lads. If you haven't guessed already, Dave is an Everton fan and Josh is a Liverpool fan. So we're going to be looking at the Everton and Liverpool FIFA 21 ratings that have just come out uh, ahead of the game. So I will warn you guys, there has been a bit of a backlash in terms of the ratings. Some of the ratings aren't as good as they could be. Talking about football manager attributes and stuff, there's um, there's even more backlash with the, the FIFA one. So uh, just strap yourselves in for this one. Uh, but um, <laughs> let's do Everton first then, shall we? Quite funny because me and Josh literally haven't played this, don't, and we don't have any kind of finger on the pulse. So it, it, it will. <laughs> let's uh, yeah. let's see what happens. Right, Everton. Let's have a look then. So let's go. Right. So I'm looking for the top three players in terms of pace attribute. Um, so I'll give you a point for each player that is included in the top three. But yeah, I want the top three fastest players for Everton. I'll let Dave go first because uh, he'll have less time and then I'll give you more time, Josh. Oh, suddenly nobody feels fast I'm, in Everton. I've got three in mind immediately. Okay, I'm going to go for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Theo Walcott and... Oh, I'm struggling for this last one. Uh, I don't know if FIFA are going to give him the respect he deserves, but I'll go Anthony Gordon. Nice. I had the same two, phase two at least, but Richarlison was my third. So the top three players uh, for pace I can reveal are Theo Walcott, Bernard, and Richarlison. No. So there's absolutely oh. no way Bernard should be in the top three. So he's got eighty-four pace, <laughs> and Richarlison's got eighty-three. Um, Dom- Dominic Cavalloon's actually got eighty-three as well. Oh, I don't know whether to give you that. It's technically joint third, isn't it? But did you both say Cavalloon? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll give I'll give you that as well. So Josh scored three. And Dave, you scored two on Everton. Not a great start for you, mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. When it comes to Everton. <laughs> Let's go three slowest players then. Um, okay, I'll go with Andre Gomez. Surely Andre Gomez. Um, that, that laugh makes me feel uncomfortable, but he's got to be in there. You might have Michael Keane in there as well. Um, okay, and then... This last one's a little bit tough. I'm thinking about, I'm trying to think of an outsider. I go, no, I go Fabian Delph. Josh? Um, I'm going to go Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, and my third is going to be Andre Gomez, yeah. Okay, so um, Dave, you didn't score in that round, unfortunately. Wow. Um, I can tell you that. I'd like so, to throw in there now. I'd just like to throw in there this possibility that Iwobi's going to be in this. Tom Davis should be as well. So the three <laughs> slowest players at Everton, according to FIFA 21, are Yeri Mina is the slowest what? in the whole squad, 51 pace, um, <laughs> followed by James Rodriguez, 53 pace, and Jared Branthwaite, who has 54 pace. So Josh scores one, and... Uh, Dave scores zero on that one. I tell you what, it it doesn't bode well for Everton that two of the centre backs are meant to be the two slowest <laughs> players in the squad. Michael Keane isn't far off either. I'll tell you that much. Michael Keane is not far off. Right, 
let's go for one more then. Uh, this will be an interesting one because I know you two do a lot of stuff on this as well. So I'm after the two players with the best weak foot rating at Everton. So they've both got oh, five-star yes. weak foot. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go Fabian Delph, Bernard. I'm also going with them too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you both didn't score. <laughs> so the two players I can, I, can, I can confirm that FIFA are wrong <laughs> the two players with five star weak foot are Richarlison and Jordan Pickford oh, oh, not, I'm not having pickers no way <laughs> absolute nonsense <laughs> so after the Everton round we've got Dave on two and Josh on four so let's move on to Liverpool any requests just make sure you send me and Josh the complaint form that everyone's obviously filling in going back to FIFA about how bad these scores are complaints at easysports.com I think I'm on it going right to town let's go for dribbling and Liverpool then shall we so I want the best three dribblers at Liverpool right I'm going to go Sadio Mane there's, okay, there's four with the joint highest dribbling rating, so you can name four players. I want to go with Mane, Thiago, Firmino, and Salah. I'm going to try and name a different one just to keep it spicy, um, but there's a few that I can't avoid. I, I think I have to have Salah, um, I have to have Jota, Mane as well. Um, I'm going to throw in Nabi Keita. Interesting. Right, so um, Josh scored four. So it's Firmino, Thiago, Salah and Mane, all joint highest. Got four and Dave got two. So they've all got 90 dribbling. Right, four. Let's go for weak foot again. Oh, okay, there's only one player with a five-star weak foot at Liverpool. It should be Jota. There's no question. If it's not Jota, it'll be Mane. But it should be Jota. Dave? Mm, okay, I'll uh, I'll try and mix it up again. Uh, I'll go Marnie. It's Jota. So they got something right, haven't they? Eventually. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Eventually. Let's go slowest then. Three slowest. It's a fast team, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go with Joel Mazup, Fabinho, and... Uh, Milner I'm going to have Matip as well I think he's going to be in there Henderson I think he might, he might be there it's tough uh, Fabinho I go so it was Matip Milner but the the slowest player by quite a distance is Nathaniel Phillips I don't think he was playing anymore it doesn't look like he says he is on loan so. if he's not on loan then he's, he's, he's in. he stays yeah he stays damn you Nathaniel Phillips so uh, at the end of that, I can confirm that Dave scored five and Josh scored 11. Right. The show doesn't play out so you'll never walk alone or anything, does it now? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to flick that on you, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure having you on, Josh and Dave. Really appreciate you guys coming on um, to chat esports, gaming, football manager, FIFA and, and all the rest of it. It's been, uh, it's been really good chatting to you. For people who don't know, they should know, but for people who don't know where to read you know, the stuff you do and to, to also listen to some of the podcasts that you're on as well, where can they find you guys? So I host and analyse an Anfield podcast uh, once a week. You don't necessarily have to be a Liverpool fan to listen to it. We talk Premier League-wide stuff. 
Uh, that's worth checking. That'll be on the, the Blood Red podcast channel on most hosting sites for the Liverpool Echo. And the episode is called Analyzing Anfield. And in terms of my work, my written work, you're best just using my, my Twitter. So it's it's at distance covered. So give me a follow. It's well summarised by Josh there. Yeah, we do Analyzing Anfield. We also do actually Analyzing Everton as well. Merseyside theme. There's also a newsletter, Analytics 5. That's sent out a few times a week. Um, if you search Analytics 5, so that's Analytics, but instead of the S, it's 5 at the end on Twitter. You can register, it's completely free. And there's a, a variety of topics that we cover. If you obviously want to follow me direct, it's uh, at DHughes underscore on Twitter. You'll find tons of our stuff. Thanks for that, guys. And I just want to reiterate the, the podcast that you two guys that involved with, they're honestly fantastic to listen to. I never miss an episode. If you're interested in, in football tactics and if you've watched a game and you, you think you've noticed something, you listen to the, these two guys talking, it, it really gives you an idea of, of what goes on at, at both Liverpool and Everton. So I can't uh, recommend it enough. It's fantastic. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on my podcast. Thanks for the crossover. It's been really, uh, really interesting. And uh, I wish you all the best in the future and continue the good work that you're doing. Thank you, mate. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod. We'll be back for another episode very soon.